it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, welcome to this first episode of New Horizons for 2023. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks for joining me for another year. We talk regularly on this program about audio description on Australian television. We have briefly discussed audio description in theatre, but rarely do we get an opportunity to talk about both theatre and television, particularly from an international context. This week we speak with Joel Snyder, who's been heavily involved in audio description in theatre, television and museums for many, many years. He lives in the United States. Let's start by talking a little bit about you. You have a huge background in audio description in particular. How did you get started and where did your interest stem from? Well, you know, my background is principally in theater, uh, in the arts, in theater, in media, uh, voice work, that sort of thing. And uh, I've been fortunate throughout my life to be involved in the arts, uh, make my living, make a go of things uh, that way. Um, And when I was in Golly, when I was in undergraduate school, even, um, I, I thought about ways to use my voice to uh, be of assistance to other people and not just always doing a commercial and getting paid for this or paid for that. But um, I began reading uh, for a blind college student. Um, I read talking books for the Library of Congress. Uh, and I started being involved with a group in the Washington, D.C. area called the Washington Ear, a radio reading service. And I'm sure there are at least uh, several in throughout Australia, uh, organizations that provide the reading of newspapers, magazines, novels, and such. Um, on uh, Usually it's a subcarrier of an FM station, uh, and people uh, who are print disabled, if you will, people who are blind, can get a special receiver, and they, they get that signal. So I did that for about 10 years. I was the voice of uh, the Washington Post on Sundays. Uh, and, and indeed, um, in a newspaper, of course, there are many illustrations, their graphics, their photographs. And and we used to wonder, this is in the 70s, you know, hmm, what are we going to do with that? Well, obviously, we, we tried to describe them, but there was no such thing as audio description formally. Uh, people have been describing to one another since prehistoric times. But And then it was in 1980-81 when the, the head of the Washington Ear, a blind woman, Margaret Fanshteel, and a blind man, Chet Avery, who worked for the federal government, uh, they were on a committee for Arena Stage in Washington, a very well-known regional theater, and uh, an accessibility committee. Arena Stage was so excited they had just installed an assisted listening system to boost sound for people who don't don't hear so well and um, it was very successful and margaret and and chad uh, both good friends um, we've we've lost them now uh, but um they they kind of they had to raise their hand and say um this is wonderful but what do you have for us we're blind and they they figured that if if doing a service that boosts sound is simply a matter of microphones on the stage connected to an FM system or an infrared system. Well, couldn't you use the same system, uh, but somebody holding a microphone off stage who would provide descriptions of what's going on during a play in the pauses between bits and pieces of dialogue or critical sound elements. And Arena Stage, to their credit, said, 
let's give it a go. Why not? Well, Margaret was running the Washington Ear. She had a recording studio. She had uh, people like me and a few others with English backgrounds and backgrounds in theater and voice. Uh, we all put our heads together and figured out what, what, how would we do this? What would, what would we call it? Audio description we came up with. And uh, in the summer of 1981, the first theater production in the United States, and I think worldwide actually, uh, was uh, delivered with audio description. And then it went, that was in 81, and then went from there, uh, we began working with television for public broadcasting service here in the United States, uh, comparable to your ABC, I would think. Um, and um, they, they uh, we, we did the writing and the voicing of those initial programs, but they had the, the wherewithal and the, the know-how uh, with regard to television. They knew how to transmit that secondary audio signal so that it synced perfectly with the original audio. And there had already existed a secondary audio program channel, principally for Spanish translation, but was rarely used. So now we, we have a use of that for audio description. It's used for Spanish translation also, um, and that's something we're hoping to uh, improve in the coming years, uh, having more than one secondary audio channel. So that's a little thumbnail sketch of... Uh, uh, of audio description, uh, be its beginnings and, and my own beginnings with all this. And it's really interesting just how long ago that was from an Australian perspective. We have had audio description in theatres probably uh, since the 90s uh, in different ways. Um, many uh, programs have started up and, and fallen apart and then been re-established in different ways. We have uh, audio description in uh, a lot of states which has provided by particular theatre companies or theatre venues uh, in conjunction with some of the significant blindness organisations. For example, uh, Vision Australia has it in uh, Melbourne, Sydney and uh, Brisbane. Access to Arts provides audio description in theatres in South Australia and uh, there, is, uh, there are other works afoot to, to get it happening more in other states. In television, it's very much uh, the reverse. We, we've barely begun to explore uh, audio description on television in Australia. What is the context um, in the US and other jurisdictions in terms of audio description? Where does it stem from? And is there legislation that surrounds it? There is. And I'll take just a quick step back to note that uh, Margaret Fanstiel uh, and her husband, Cody Fanstiel, uh, I think one of their first overseas trips on behalf of audio description was to Australia uh, to introduce the techniques for live theater. Uh, this is early on. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it has exploded in the United States, as uh, it sounds like it's pretty well established throughout Australia. Uh, and then later, museums began to pick up on the techniques as well, uh, somewhat later. But television, you know, we from the beginning, I think we, we felt that if we can get this happening on mass media, wow, it will really pick up. Indeed, I think that that the spread of audio description for media has inspired more and more theaters, live theaters, to do description. Uh, there is legislation. Uh, it's, it's minimal. And uh, I understand, uh, Vaughn and I were talking earlier, that it seems to be what there is in Australia is only with respect to what we would call public broadcasting, and it's minimal. In the United States, um, 
you know, it's in, in the year 2000, the Federal Communications Commission uh, here in the United States, United States, it oversees public broadcasts. Um, they had been charged by the government to study the providing of audio description, and they did. And they concluded that this is something we really should do and created a rule. The FCC made a rule that said commercial broadcasters, the the top four commercial broadcasters or, or terrestrial broadcasters, we refer to them, uh, and then the top five cable channels, they should all provide description at four hours per week, which is pretty minimal. Well, the, the networks and even the movie industry got in on a lawsuit that challenged the FCC on it, uh, and they had all kinds of different grounds, uh, and eventually they won. They actually won. This is back in the year 2000. Uh, the rule was struck down because technically Congress had not told the FCC to legislate anything, to actually require anything. It's up to Congress to legislate. And it took us 10 years until 2010 to actually get a law passed in Congress that was modeled on the original FCC rules. Uh, and, and so that passed in 2010. It became effective in 2012 under President Obama. And, and now, what, 10 years later, uh, we're not much further along. Uh, it's, it's at about seven hours per week for the top, still the top nine broadcasters. And that changes each year. The, the cable broadcasters change each year. Um, the only thing that's changed is originally it said, well, you only have to make it available in the top 40 uh, markets. And now it's it's upwards of 70 or 80 markets, something like that. But we're still at this seven hours per week. Vaughn, that's, that's less than 1% of all television that's aired in the United States. The United Kingdom is over 10%. And um, we need to, we're hoping that in uh, the coming years, legislation, we'll get a, 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 point, a 2.0 version of the legislation that will include things like more secondary audio program channels that will include a, a greater requirement and a, a requirement for an increase each year. And that's how captioning has grown. In the United States, they have that that increase mandated. And we're, have, for a number of years now, been at 100% of broadcasting is captioned. And um, uh, it, we need to get there with audio description as well. So... Yeah, absolutely. And we have the same thing with captioning. We have it legislated uh, in the Broadcast Services Act that uh, uh, television programs, uh, broadcast programs will be captioned. And we're not at 100% yet. I don't know what the actual percentage is. I think it's around 85. But hmm. the aim is that we will be at 100% or the, the, the target is that we will be at 100% by 2032 which is only right. uh, nine years away. So hopefully yeah, we'll, uh, there you go. we'll yeah. get there. <laughs> but we have no audio description legislation yeah. at the moment. Uh, our um, Disability Discrimination Act doesn't encompass uh, audio description on television, nor does our Broadcast Services Act. But we do have, uh, as you mentioned, audio description for 14 hours a week on each of our public broadcasting services. I'm interested in the way you, you mentioned uh, the secondary audio program that uh, was used in the United States to provide the audio description. And I'm interested to hear a little bit about some of the history and some of the experimental work that was done. My understanding is that the first attempt at audio description in Australia was in 1994 uh, when um, 
there was a, a an Australian miniseries that was broadcast uh, on Wednesday night, if I recall correctly, and it was simulcast on 3RPH, which is uh, one of our radio reading services uh, in, in Melbourne. Was that sort of work done in the US, and, and what sort of experiments did they do? <laughs> well, that, that's funny. We did experiment with that, and it was an utter failure. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was part of it. You know, in 1981, we started doing it for theatre, and it, it, it didn't take us very long to wonder, could we do this for television? And just like you just now explained, we figured, well, we have a radio service that's broadcast on a sub- frequency of uh, a public broadcasting radio station could we simply start audio description at a given time when a broadcast is happening on television at that given time would it sync would it work and we found that there was just the latency the uh, problems with syncing the two just were insurmountable that so we unfortunately that idea didn't carry forward but it was it, perhaps it it was part of that um, that failure that inspired uh, my my good friend Barry Cronin who's still with us Dr. Barry Cronin who um, was working for WGBH a public broadcasting station in Boston and he you know he knew about this secondary audio program channel it wasn't used extensively there wasn't a lot of Spanish translation but he knew about it and he heard about description and thought you know that that would work perfectly and so, he, you know, thanks to Barry and WGBH, they were the first to really perfect the transmission of the audio description signal for television. And we'll continue that interview next week. If you'd like to get in touch with Blind Citizens Australia, you can call 1-800-033-660. Or you can email bca at bca.org.au. As a reminder, if you have any story ideas, you can contact me, new.horizons at bca.org.au is the email address, new.horizons at bca.org.au, or you can leave a voice message on Blind Citizens Australia's telephone system. I'm Vaughan Benison. Do take care. It's great to be with you again for 2023. I'll talk to you next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream. Of our dreams